Special thank you to Waxo by Dating.com group for sponsoring the podcast. If you haven't, please go and check out all of the sex positive content that is on Waxo. I'm very fortunate to be able to publish a lot of the content on there in relation to the podcast and cover some topics that we don't get to dive into as much detail in the show and be able to put that on Waxo's blog in writing. So um, go and check that out, waxoh.com. I only have a couple of minutes before the meatballs that I put in the oven, the vegan meatballs that I put in the oven go off. So I want to keep this real short and sweet. Um, Sierra and I transitioned our relationship from what we were as partners living together, being intimate to a friendship. And um, this was on Christmas and it's January 22nd at the time of this recording. And uh, we just mutually decided that we'd be happier with other people. Um, So this last few weeks, I thought was really tough on me uh, because of the relationship. I thought it was tough on me because of having to move. I thought that it was tough on me for all of the changes that were taking place in a really short time. But after sitting and reflecting, I've come to realize that I have much deeper things that need to be addressed for myself. And one of which has been like sort of an addiction to being needy, needed, not needy. But I mean, there's a neediness that comes with that, too. Um, When I do something for other people and like I hear thank you, I feel like that's a hit of dopamine. It's like, ah, yeah, that was great. And you do that enough without giving to yourself to produce your own serotonin, which I view as kind of like your internal long-term feel-good feelings, then you sort of just deplete it. And then when that, that source of dopamine isn't accessible anymore, or when you start to solely rely on that for like a survival, then it's just unhealthy for you. And that's what I experienced. I came to the realization that I was not giving my soul the nutrients that it needed um, as far as just taking care of myself um, emotionally. And I've learned that I am a lot emotionally. I am overwhelming is probably the best word for it. Um, So it's important for me to be able to take care of myself. And I realize this because of how I treated other people um, throughout the process. I know that I've been a lot less patient and I've been frustrated and a lot more aggressive than I usually am. So um, I apologize for that if you were one of those people. And now my meatballs are going off. So I'm going to have to <laughs> go and handle that real soon. Um, I set a timer for 12 minutes. And this is my third time trying to get this recording done. So I'm going to wrap this up real quick. Um, yeah, I, I have to set boundaries for myself. Um, I've been extremely nice in a lot of ways and very lenient with things that I do and ultimately I end up like having to overextend myself and one of the most recent examples is just like with podcasting for example um I've recorded a lot of podcasts with people some episodes you will never hear for the simple fact that I may not have been given consent to share them. Um, And there have also been guests who I felt weren't necessarily genuine in their reasoning for being a part of this. Like when people ask, how many downloads does your podcast have per episode? I'm like, oh, why'd you have to ask me that? I would have told you that had you not made that sort of a priority in the conversation, then we'd be having a completely different uh, flow here in the exchanges. But um, over the last few weeks, I've had to reschedule a lot of podcasts. And yeah, I know that it's because I've just been off and I've had to re-record, redo some. Um, but I put a lot of energy into these and I put a lot of effort into it. And there's a lot of stuff that doesn't get done that I probably need to prioritize for myself um, for the sake of getting these episodes released, for reaching out to guests, making sure that the marketing gets done, that the content gets out there and that it gets promoted and uplifted and everyone gets what they need out of it. Um, so that they can continue to move forward. So moving forward, I mean, I hope to 
um, continue to have guests reach out to me who want to be a part of this. But I think I may need to just take a step back from reaching out to people because I've also got my feelings hurt a few times reaching out and being like, hey, you know, I saw that you posted about herpes, blah, blah, blah. And there have been a number of people who just like not replied or um, I've had people tell me our audience size wasn't big enough. So um, if you're someone who wants to be on the podcast because you want to be on here and share your experience for the hope of or for the sake of helping someone or if you know someone that would be a good fit and you don't have a problem with reaching out, please have them contact me um, moving forward. I'm done searching for guests now so um, we'll either have solo episodes or we're gonna have uh, more of the uh, professionals not you know if we're having experiences of people who are living with herpes um, who might be big influencers or something like that I'm I'm not gonna be proactive from that perspective um, so if anyone wants to be on the podcast, I've made myself as accessible as can be. Otherwise, we'll do solo episodes. I'll do the episodes with the public health professionals and organizations and therapists. Like these are the kinds of people that I want to get feedback from and get insight from so that I can best support the people who need the resources that are being provided on something positive for positive people. This episode is going to be awesome. We talk about the spiritual meaning of what herpes can be, which is really, really hitting home for me right now. Uh, I'm glad that we recorded this episode a while back because it was one of the better ones over the last few weeks that's been recorded. Y'all probably won't hear any of the other ones. I did record with the Interhole Uprising podcast, and I'm probably just going to completely cut myself out of that one because I was not present at all just dealing with um everything that i've been dealing with so um i appreciate everyone who's checked up on me everyone who's reached out i'm i'm okay i'm adjusted i think one of my biggest concerns was probably like finances now moving out and being on my own but i sat and i actually did the math and i really don't have anything to worry about i just gotta not eat chinese food one two days a week <laughs> so i'll be good um and I hope y'all enjoy this episode. Um, read the show notes for the additional stuff that it's about because I really need to go get these vegan meatballs out of the oven. You'll hear that the timer's been going off for like the last three minutes and I've been trying to wrap it up. But um, thanks for sticking around. Thanks for being a part of this podcast, being part of the show. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, listen to, share this podcast and stick around. Um, on the social media pages, follow me at H on my chest and um, I'll keep you all posted on events that are going to be coming up with uh, some of the secret herpes groups or if I'm doing any kind of traveling where we'll do some speaking, which I did my first speaking thing with Ray from Positive Results US and that was awesome. I really want to be able to do more of that too. So um yeah, I need to stop saying so. Um, yeah, these are my filler words. I stopped saying like so much, but I need to just take a breath. Oh, I also start yoga teacher training next week, so that's exciting. All right, I'm going to let you listen to the podcast episode. If you want to interact with me, Courtney at SPFPP.org. You can visit SPFPP.org if you want to donate, partner, sponsor the podcast, or if you're interested in any of our resources. Uh, I did it again. All right, that's it. Bye. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that supports stigmatized individuals with their healing of shame, healing of um, any sort of thing that they may be carrying. And I want to use the word trauma because I can't think of a better word. Best to just say that anyone who's looking to heal through some sort of a shame they're experiencing this is a place to be today's guest is stephanie boyd her pronouns are she her hers and she is going to talk to us about her own experience with hsv she and i connected over instagram which i'll link to that in the show notes and then we can hear from her other ways that you can contact her at the very end but she also works with women who are living with hsv I'm going to let you take it from here. So first off, Stephanie, I want to thank you for joining the podcast. It was a pretty quick turnaround time between introduction and interview, which I really enjoy because it gives me 
not enough time to creep on you and like <laughs> structure in my head what I want the conversation to be at all. I appreciate your enthusiasm for being on here. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you again for having me. I'm so, so excited to be here. I feel super honored to uh, be able to connect with you and with your audience because I'm so, so passionate about spreading the word about HSV and the stigma behind it. And I really am out here to help women realize that it is just a stigma and that, you know, at the end of the day, we can still be worthy of all the things that we want to be worthy of. The stigma behind it, it just is that. It's just a stigma, and it's up to us to stand in our power and to really just be fully aware that most of the people in the world have this virus and they just don't know. And we just put this huge uh, cloud over ourselves for so long. I'll share uh, my story with you guys. I went to the gynecologist for uh, my annual checkup and from there I got diagnosed with chlamydia. I had no idea how long I had the chlamydia, you know, anything. I didn't have any symptoms. Like I had no idea. So got diagnosed with that. Obviously that's something treatable, which is great. Like we get things that are treatable. We don't really put that much stigma behind them because they're treatable. But once something is stuck with you, it's like, oh my goodness, it's the end of the world. My body was treating this uh, chlamydia, and then from there, I woke up one morning, and it looked like a little scratch uh, mark at first on my butt cheek, and then throughout the day, like, I kept looking at it, because I was like, oh, that didn't look right, feel right, whatever, I kept my eye on it, and from there, it started to look like a little spider bite, so I was like, okay, like, let me call the doctor and, like, get this tested right away, just because I just know my body, and I was like, this isn't right, what is this? So I wanted to make sure that, you know, I caught something super early on, I had no idea what it was, I literally thought it was a spider bite, and the next day I was able to go um, into the doctors, by that point it had formed a cluster of blisters, um, and I was like, okay, this is definitely a spider bite, <laughs> and turns out it wasn't, um, I was lucky enough though to go within the first couple of days of the outbreak, that way they could do a call on it so we could be 100% certain what it was and also looking back at um, the, when I was diagnosed I had so many other symptoms that were playing a role in my life like I was constantly getting sore throats I um, was at the doctors like every other month because I thought I had strep throat or tonsillitis like all the time and I really have no idea why doctors you know weren't like oh maybe we should test her for herpes because this is you know one of the side effects or symptoms but that's never the case. They don't want to do that. You know, unless you're having an outbreak, most doctors won't test you because they'd rather you just not know because it, it hurts more people, apparently, if they do know and don't have outbreaks. So that is basically part of my story <laughs> from the time that I found out. Um, so, yeah, it's been a journey ever since. That's for sure. All right. What was your experience at the doctor? I cried. I definitely was like, what the heck? I shouldn't have been shocked. And I know being promiscuous has nothing to do with catching either type of the virus. You know what I mean? It could have been from, you know, somebody who had a cold sore or this or that. However, um, you still are just like, wow, like, I can't get rid of this. Like, what does this look like for me? I felt dirty. I cried. Like, I didn't want people to even hug me at first because I was like, I don't know, like, what this looks like <laughs> or anything. And then it went to, like, another point where, like, I was, you know, still, like, doing the same behaviors. Like, I was sleeping with people not disclosing. I didn't know what that looked like. Like, I thought that the only time I could um, pass it on is if I was in an active outbreak or anything of that nature. Like, I was doing very um, outdated uh, research, and I wasn't giving the proper facts. Um, I thought, like, if I put a Band-Aid over because mine's, like, a quarter size on my left butt cheek. I thought if I put a Band-Aid over it, you know, that stopped uh, being able to pass it to other people in the reality like that's not the case you could be shedding anywhere like once you have one of the two types like you could be shedding anywhere on your body and that's just the simple fact of that are the chances of passing it lower when you're um not having an outbreak yes but you can always silently be shedding so the more and more I did research and like found um, a relationship that really at the time when me and him were together I'm single now but when we were together. He was very accepting when I finally told him about it, you know, um, he did his own research and he didn't like put me down about it. Whereas like 
you know, I played around with how I disclosed to people, right? Like at first I wasn't disclosing because I was like, okay, I was a bartender at a really um, popular place where I live. Um, I live in Wilmington, Delaware. So it's called Barato Pizza. I worked there for 11 and a half years. So a lot of people in my area, like they say, like every one in five, somebody knows somebody, you know, and I always had somebody being like, oh, do you know this person? You know this person? So I was like choosing who I wanted to share this with because I'm like, okay, if I sleep with him, then, and I disclose to him, well, then he tells him and then that ruins my chances of maybe like being with him down the road. Like, because I just, you know, I'm single. So I didn't know who I was going to end up with or anything like that. Like I said, I was picking and choosing who I wanted to disclose to. I remember going to hook up with one guy and, you know, I'm bawling my eyes out going to disclose to him after we're already like kissing, like doing some stuff and um, come to find out he gets cold sores and never even thought to tell me. And I'm like, looking back now, I was still crying, like standing, like, you know, super like hurt mood. (laughs) Like I was like, okay, well. I'm still worse off because I have this down here, like, and really, you know, just cried and cried. And then I'm like, now looking back, I'm like, well, why wasn't I upset that he wasn't telling me that he had this? We don't think of that in the moment. We just think of like, I have this. We don't, we're not like, oh, what do they have? That like played a huge role, like seeing how that disclosure went. And then I told somebody like after we had sex like two times, that didn't really work out well. Um, You know, he was completely shocked, obviously. I let him know as well. I was like, you know, I understand that you're upset that I didn't tell you beforehand. However, I do want you to know that um, the chances of you already having it are very high. So you're lucky that I know and that I was able to tell you so you can get tested and find out for yourself either way. Okay, that is a ballsy sentence to tell somebody. (laughs) The chances are that are higher that you already have it than you getting it from me. How'd you come up with that one? Like, where'd that come from? I just, it just came out. I just, you know, I guess I was like, that's the reality of it is like so many people, I knew at the that moment that so many people had cold sores and they weren't even thinking of that as herpes. So I was just like, you know, maybe you need to reevaluate and just realize that at least I was able to tell you. Okay. And, you know, he was kind of like, uh. <laughs> oh, okay. I was, I was going to yeah. ask about his response too, because the way you said that, I think there's something there to be said in a way for disclosing, because in your experience, you mentioned that there have been people who say I get cold sores, but don't necessarily acknowledge that it's herpes. And so you were going to explain disclose and you have all this anxiety built up around your disclosure without even a second thought about them possibly already having it so when you are able to get to a place where like you said you know the chances are higher of you having it than having gotten it from me I think that there's something that can be taken away from that in how confident you are and how knowledgeable you are as far as the statistics go. Um, I don't really talk to statistics because they change so much and Mm -hmm. depending on the language, it's one way or another, but Mm -hmm. that's something I want to really, I want people to really sit with. I want people to sit with the fact that when we go to disclose, there's so much anxiety around whether or not we are going to, how we're gonna do it, when's the right time, how it's gonna be received, that we just neglect that one, maybe they already have it. Two, maybe they have it and no, like in the best, I don't want to say best case scenario, but it's a, a possibility that they have it and know that they have it or that they were going to have the conversation with you as well. But even then, you know, what does that say about a person where it takes for you to open up and tell them before they come to you and tell you they have it? Unless the conversation's like, oh my goodness, I was trying to figure out when to tell you, but like, Think about that. Let's take these kinds of things into consideration. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people don't. And I'm not just going to say just women, because I think that men struggle with it, too. They're like, when am I supposed to say that I have this? Do I tell them on the first date? Do I tell them after three months like this or that? Like, when is the right time to do this? And the reality is, is the right time is when you feel the most comfortable disclosing as long as it's before you're intimate with the other person you don't owe anybody anything like you don't have to tell somebody anything about you that you don't want them to know but don't hide it from them because you're ashamed of it and I think that a lot of people do because they're like how are they going to react and they start to play that 
what if they don't want to talk to me again? Or what if I'm never going to find somebody else? Or what if, what if, what if? And it's like, what if they already have it? (laughs) Or what if, you know, they have never properly been tested either? Because a lot of people also don't know what that looks like to be properly tested. Yeah. And the way you just said it with the what ifs, for instance, what if they don't have it? What if they do have it? And then if you're looking at either of those, you can continue to go into what if, what if, what if, what if, you know, what if they have it and don't know they have it? What if they don't want to know they have it? What if they're in denial about having it? And there's so many of these things that can be played with it in our imagination. Whereas if we just come out and ask, like, or bring up the conversation and just see what comes out. Maybe they've dated someone who has HSV. Maybe they're already aware of the precautions because they might have had a scare. Maybe they um, have been to the doctor and tested positive or they were informed about a partner. There are so many different scenarios. And yeah. the only way to really know is to bring up the conversation, as hard as that may be for some of us. Mm-hmm. You don't have to bring it up, I feel like, as like, hey, I have herpes. Like, I see this a lot inside of the support groups and support communities where women are starting the conversation of disclosing out as they're probably never going to want to talk to me again, but dot, 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 I have herpes. And it's like, why are you even putting that into this other person's head? You're already like telling this other person that this is a huge deal and that you're not accepting it. But the more and more you accept it for yourself, the other person is going to be like, oh, like, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, like they're living a normal life. Yes. Is it a quote unquote risk when you do sleep with somebody who has it? Of course, there's a risk in everything, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, like, People are choosing to still have relations with people that have herpes. Just because you have herpes doesn't mean that, you know, somebody's not going to want to be with you. Chances are is that you were already having these exact thoughts about some other area in your life prior to your diagnosis. But now you're using herpes as your quote unquote excuse as to why things are not um, working out in the relationships that you want or why you're still so stressed out or, you know, why maybe you can't lose the weight or you're depressed or whatever it may be. What about the people who use it as like a dismissive uh, statement? So have you talked to any women who were like, oh, this guy won't leave me alone and I just told him I had herpes and he still likes me? Uh. Oh, yes, I see this as well. And I'm like... Okay, so are you using that to really get them away from you? Or are you just trying to like prove to yourself that, oh, no, somebody will still like me, even though I have herpes and they're still chasing me and, you know, getting that validation from them through that chase still because you're not accepting your herpes diagnosis yourself. Why are you putting it out there that somebody may or may not agree with the fact that you have herpes. Like, I don't, I don't understand why you're shooing somebody away. Like I have herpes. We all have baggage, like (laughs) whether it's a herpes in your bag or it's, you know, a child or whatever it is, it's all the same (laughs) family. Mm -hmm. And it's really about how we view things. And the emphasis here to me isn't necessarily stigma. I believe that stigma is external, Whereas shame is internal and stigma only reflects the shame that we have underneath everything. So when we talk about our diagnosis, having a positive HSV status doesn't really do anything. It's your feelings around having a positive HSV status that does it. So now, you know, um, after I was diagnosed, I remember seeing stigma everywhere and I read like the spiritual meaning of herpes and it was something around like sexual shame, I believe. And the herpes manifested itself through the shame around sex. And I've always been really ashamed of my own sexuality and like my preference for multiple partners and uh, wanting to have those kinds of relationships and experiences. And I've repressed it for a really long time. And like, I understand that, uh, you know, science says herpes is a skin to skin contact virus. You have sex with someone who has herpes, but uh, the virus itself is a physical representation of shame. 
Rather than listening to me ramble, I went on ahead and just Googled it real quick. And we've got wellnesstouchstones.blogspot.com. It talks about herpes. It gives some of the statistics. And then um, when you go down to the spiritual read of HSV, you see HSV themes, seduction, touch, secrecy, and drama. And then the healing themes are personal truth and self-responsibility. Now, I haven't read this yet, so I'm just going to read it uh, going down here. And um, you can draw your own conclusion from it. But um, I'll link it in the show notes as well if you want to read it for yourself. But it says, HSV hides or hibernates in the nervous system. It awakens periodically to seek out companionship. The virus loves drama and physical trauma. Because it lacks intelligence and self-definition, it feels alive when its presence is known and wants to share itself selfishly, calling in others to make contact with it. HSV lures others to itself in a seductive manner and shamelessly begs for them to touch. It leaves its mark on others in outbreaks that are part of its dramatic flair. There does, though, have to be a ground of compliance on the soul level for the HSV to take hold in an individual system. This will not be conscious, but related to feelings of emptiness where a physical connection and the need to please meet and fill the void. The specific dynamics of HSV in the infected person. This is the next paragraph. The physical and emotional dynamics of HSV are the most obvious consequence of this viral infection. Healing though <clears throat> can only occur with a clear understanding of all implications no i believe there is a potential for us human beings us as human beings to heal all things even though the medical community believes otherwise in the case of hsv physically there is discomfort and pain when an outbreak occurs symptoms are such as they are uh, are such that they cannot be ignored Emotionally, HSV triggers a wide range of emotional responses that range from guilt to depression, from feelings of loss to blame, from denial to anger, to name a few. Mentally, the consequences of actions are realized in the physical manifestation of HSV. Depending on the individual, thoughts will relate to issues of self-judgment, isolation, blame, and or vengeance. And then spiritually, the issues related to self-responsibility and personal truth are forced without the knowledge about the deeper meaning of the HSV, the spiral of devolution, de-evolution, devolution. I think it's devolution, but it means like the de-evolution continues with the thoughts from the mental plane, creating a loss of trust and faith in what is. These thoughts, along with their partnered emotions, maintain the physical condition. The shadow aspect of HSV. Ooh, this is cool. All right. HSV carries a shadow energy with it because of its stigma in society. With most viruses, the individual does not knowingly welcome it. In the case of HSV, even if the partner's condition is known, the individual's impulsivity may be the default deciding factor to the contact. HSV is a cloud-like energy that is not clearly defined. It drifts, and although lazy, it is not entrenched and will go where it is called. It loves to be the middle, in the middle of the need to please. It rides piggybacks on this need to become manifest. It forces truth of actions taken that were meant to be hidden or secret. The soul mission qualities, these are some of the general soul qualities of the individual journeying with HSV. A willingness to walk with dark teachers through difficult challenges, a dedication to personal truth, a need to find self by challenging the definition of self, and a sincere interest in companioning with others in personal and meaningful ways. Whoa, alright, this is a long read, so I think that I think that that's a really good way. Let me see if there's something down here at the bottom to kind of close it all out. So um, <clears throat> here are some personal declarations to support healing HSV. And when I say healing, I mean on a spiritual level of being able to live with, manage, and accept the fact that we are living with this virus and take responsibility for um, how we carry it in our spirit on that level so some of the personal declarations are i look to fill myself with the things that enrich my well-being i let go of my need to lure others into my circle of friends trusting that they will like me for who i am at heart 
I choose to <clears throat> companion a trust in the best of what can be. I am setting myself on the path of personal fulfillment. I have everything I need in this moment to feel complete. I intend to move forward without judgment, blame, or guilt. I do my best to take full responsibility for my life. This includes taking full responsibility for my emotions and thoughts. I rally the inner strength and courage I know I have within me. I trust that the highest good is being served in this moment. Oh my goodness. So what'd you think of that? Yeah, I agree with, I need to read the whole article, but a lot of what it said, I definitely agree. Like it is our responsibility to really process our emotions after our herpes diagnosis and to realize that the more and more shame we live in around the diagnosis and the more and more we let the stigma, you know, control us and we hide from it and we don't stand in our power, the more outbreaks, in my opinion, I feel like people are going to have because it's like, no, wake up. Like, it's okay that you have this. It's a part of you. And at the end of the day, the only way to be able to manage them is by changing your thought process. Like, what actually are you feeling when you're having an outbreak? Like, yes, you may be feeling tired. You may be feeling the tingles and those types of things. But are you also feeling, you know, the same feelings that you felt when you got first diagnosed? Like, I know I don't feel sexy when I have an outbreak, but it takes me back to a place where, you know, like I felt dirty at one point and I'm like, oh, great. Like I start to have those thoughts again, or at least I did. Like now I learned to manage them and to shift it and be like, okay, what is this actually trying to show me? Where do I need to take more um, action in my life to maybe even slow down and embrace the fact that like being able to just go flowing instead of like go full speed at everything. It just is so, so important, especially after you found find out you have herpes. Mm -hmm. Now, you said you don't feel sexy during an outbreak. You don't wear, like, any Disney princess Band-Aids or anything? Do you still do, you still do <laughs> that? Do you put the Band-Aid over the outbreaks, or was this a, a phase that you went through? That was a phase. Okay. I mean, I probably would, like, if I'm at work, because I work outside sometimes, so, you know, like, sweating and whatnot, but at the end of the day, like, it doesn't really matter, because I know that I could be shedding anywhere. I think, like, because I would put, like, the uh, cream on it as well, so I just thought, like, that would help it, mm. but, and I really, I, I wasn't aware either. I really thought that the person had to touch that exact spot in order to, I remember when I got diagnosed, I asked the doctor, I said, so does that mean that like a guy was like slapping his penis, like on my butt cheek? Because I had no idea. Like, that's what I thought that it meant. But in reality, it lies in the nerves, you know, and that's why it chose to come out where it did. And I didn't know that for like a year and a half after I was diagnosed, I was like, oh, now that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that doesn't work during sex, protecting the affected area. And the best advice in as far as deciding whether or not to have intercourse during an outbreak is to just avoid it if possible. I mean, it's uncomfortable to me personally. I don't know uh, what the experience is of vulva owners, but um, if you're having an outbreak and it's uncomfortable, you know, I would just refrain from sex altogether. There may be other ways that you can be with yourself or be with a partner during yeah. a time of an outbreak. So maybe that looks like just some touching, um, maybe some flirting or some mutual masturbation or having toys involved or just a lot of kissing and other ways of exploring intimacy. So that's a good way of, if we're looking at herpes on a spiritual level of what we just read here, if you just want to connect with someone, then have fun exploring other ways to be with someone during that time. Yeah, I think that that is so, so important. And I think that a lot of people forget that there's so many other ways for us to be intimate with people, but we are putting so much pressure on, I can't have sex during an outbreak, when the chances are, like, were you really having that much sex before you were diagnosed? Like, especially when people are in relationships for long periods of time, you know, like, I know some people, you know, don't have sex all the time, some do, whatever is great, but you can always find other ways to be intimate. Maybe this is going to help you have that deeper connection with somebody else and, you know, be able to fully understand like their emotions and connect with them on just like every other level rather than just this intimate like physical level 
there's so much more to a great relationship than that. And it almost reads to me like the spirit is calling out to something and it's using the body as a way of getting our attention. So herpes may be bringing up something that may be we're dealing with emotionally or spiritually and I often use these two interchangeably but um it 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 would be helpful to sit with that and just kind of figure out what it is that you are really needing whether or um, versus like trying to replace the thing that you really need with what you think you want if that makes sense yeah i feel like women just or people in general not just women just forget that you know at the end of the day, there's so much more to life than sex. Because <laughs> sex is a beautiful thing, you know, and it is. But when you're really getting to know somebody and you're wanting to create a lasting relationship with somebody, like, how do we think that all these other relationships back in the day lasted for so long? Because they weren't seeing each other 24-7 and texting 24-7 and, you know, doing all these things together. And now it's like, we want this instant gratification of like, let me sleep with him that way. It's like, oh, we slept together and we have this emotional connection. Not realizing like, if you don't know what kind of energy this person has on that other side, you're sharing your energy with them when you're being intimate with them and having sex with them. And then you're carrying around that with you as well. So if this person's still carrying shame around their diagnosis, or you are, you're you know, going back and forth with that energy, and it's just, like, mind-blowing to me. This may not be exactly what you said, but the way that I processed and heard it was, if I have sex with you, then you're going to give me more. Like, you're going to prioritize me over everything else you have going on. Like, is that kind of what you said or what you were saying? I do feel as though there are a lot of women who feel that way because they haven't realized that all they need is literally right inside them right now they don't need it's that external validation and trust me as a recovering codependent woman on men i can understand you know we are constantly seeking for those external validations whether we realize it or not you know if we're getting mad that somebody's not texting us back right away or they're not giving us the attention that you know we expect it's like why aren't you giving yourself that attention once you start giving yourself that attention the less attention you need from any other person Mm-hmm. Um, I see this with men as well. And what I'm what it is that I see is that it, it has to be systemic because we place such a high value on our sexuality that a herpes diagnosis now makes us look at our sexuality as having such a strong connection to our identity that we become damaged and we almost need to find someone, something to prove to us that we're not damaged. So essentially what we do is look for reassurance that we ourselves are okay, we're not damaged, in the acceptance of another person being able to accept us. And I would like for people to be able to cut through the bullshit of going through partners who uh, aren't the ideal partners. Like people will settle and be like, okay, well, I feel like there's a lower risk of me being rejected if I disclose to this person, but not this person that I really, really want to actually be with because I can't handle a rejection from this person because it would break my heart. I would feel terrible. And there's all these different narratives that we tell ourselves, but ultimately I believe that we all just want connection and there's like a high risk connection and then there's low risk connection. So low risk connection being, okay, well, if this person likes me or not, I don't care. I'm going to just, I'm going to disclose to them and what happens happens. But then that person that we place on a pedestal, the person that we see regularly, that we feel a connection with, and it feels good when we have it, even if it's just playful and we know there's some sexual energy and chemistry there, we fear so much just not being able to have that connection anymore if we disclose that we just choose not to do it. And we miss out on an opportunity. I mean, That person may be okay with it. That person may not be okay with it. But ultimately, the people who are for you are either going to have it or they're going to be okay with the fact that you have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that it says a lot when somebody brings just the conversation up about sexual health before being intimate with somebody. You know, like with the guy that I dated before, he, you know, was tested regularly. Like he used condoms all the time with other women 
but he respected the fact that I told him up front before we were ever intimate about, you know, my herpes. And from there, like, he just trusted me so much more to the fact that, like, we weren't using protection because he was like, wow, like, at least she is aware of her sexual health and knows, you know, like, okay, this, he knew, like, I wanted to keep him safe as well. Like, I wasn't trying to, I don't want to pass it on to anybody, like, me going into it being like, oh my goodness, it's a huge deal would have only made him feel like, why would I want to do this, you know, but being able to send people as well like information about it and really being like okay if you have any questions like if I don't know the answers I'll find the answer out for you but let's figure out what we can do together to keep us both safe or figure out what will work for both of us Mm -hmm. how long did it take for you to get to this point though between your diagnosis and your experiences of disclosing and not disclosing to being like as confident as you are because you you radiate something right now when you talk i i feel it i feel your confidence i feel your assertiveness i feel that you really mean what you're saying and that you know like all right i'm i'm this is how i'm going to disclose and i know that i'm worthy of whatever it is that i'm pursuing right now mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's definitely taken me some time it's taken me um having amazing coaches in my corner to help me you know realize my full potential and to know that like I am worthy of anything that I want in my life you know are there times where you know I may doubt myself of course I'm human as well but for me like the herpes diagnosis is the last thing I feel like more of a deal breaker would be like that I'm not like the neatest person in the world (laughs) than like my herpes diagnosis you know what I mean like because I I don't I understand that so many people have it. And at the end of the day, the person for me is going to have to accept that as a part of me, like, because it is. And if you can't accept it, then on to the next. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I'm giving all I need within me already. So if I'm going to disclose to you whether it goes well or not, is it, if it goes well, of course, I'm going to be happier, right? But, like, if it doesn't go well, I'm not going to, like, lose my shit and, like, give up all hope that love will never happen again. You know, because it will, it will, if you, but if you don't believe that it will for yourself, you're just going to keep bringing in that energy of attracting men who aren't good for you, who don't want to accept it because these men are teaching you, you need to accept it. You need to accept it, or you need to start loving yourself, accept something inside yourself, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And going back to the the world around us, just reflecting what we believe about ourselves. And if we let that shame overpower us, then that's what we're going to see. We're going to see stigmatization from the world around us. We're going to see people turn their nose up when STDs and herpes come up in conversation or on the TV. And we have to shift our beliefs. And one of the fastest ways that I've figured out um, how to challenge that is through journaling and being able to really sort through your emotions. So if you have someone you want to disclose to, of course, you can reach out to somebody like there are plenty of resources and people available to talk through that with. But you can also just journal. What do you want to say? Why are you feeling the way that you feel? How would you like to feel in the best case scenario? What would happen after you disclose to this person? What do you want from them? Um, what happens if they tell you that they don't want to move forward, but what happens if they do tell you they want to move forward? And then, you know, even a faster way than that is to challenge your beliefs with behavior. So if you go out into the world and you just make it a point to just disclose so that you get practice disclosing, you can start in a safe space, you can go to a low pressure, no pressure environment even, and allow yourself the space to just talk about having herpes um, so that you can get a feel for how you feel for it yourself before you begin telling other people about it. So that's just another way to like build your own confidence. I love that. Yeah, I definitely am a fan of journaling and I 100% agree that, you know, acting it out, talking to yourself in the mirror, you know, envisioning that other person on the other side and seeing like, or asking yourself, how would you want someone to disclose to you? Do you want someone crying their eyes out being like, you're probably never going to want to see me again. Um, and I, you know, it's really not that bad, but you know, that, that hurts. You that, know, you sleep with me. <laughs> that makes me cringe. That really does make me cringe. Me that too. It hurts my heart. <laughs> we can't, we can't like reach these people and, just pull and show them, hey, this is inside you. You are capable of, you're worthy and you 
deserve to be able to have that genuine human connection. Don't talk down to yourself. I'm a personal trainer and I train a lot of women and I often hear apologies like, sorry for just like taking up space. Like there's no need to apologize for that. And that's what I get a feel. That's the feeling I get when I hear, you're not, you're probably not gonna wanna date me. I'm sorry for having herpes, but I have herpes. Like it's your fault, (laughs) you know? And I want to not have people be apologetic for something that just happens it happens and it didn't only happen to you but according to statistics it happened to a large amount of the population and there's no need to apologize for it you know just give people the information and allow them to make as fully of an informed decision as they can possibly make and then just leave it at that you know yep and also make sure you're figuring out what they have yes yes (laughs) you know most importantly like I feel like so many of us forget like even though we're disclosing yes okay let me disclose like maybe you're getting hot and heavy with someone you're like okay I'm gonna disclose today and you're not even thinking okay we're about to get hot and heavy and then you get tested again and you're like oh shit now I have chlamydia and you're like how did I get that like (laughs) oh because you didn't ask anybody because you thought that some people just aren't gonna tell you if somebody doesn't want to show you their paperwork, do you want to take that quote unquote risk sleeping with them? Is it worth the risk? Because a condom isn't going to protect you from everything. We don't see enough of this conversation to feel comfortable with it. We see so much sex without this conversation that we're more comfortable with that. I'm guilty of just thinking that if someone has an STD, has an STI, they're not going to want to have sex because it hurts. So that, I mean, that made sense to me, but then you come to learn that some SCIs don't show symptoms, that some run their course and clear up, some can resurface, some don't or have become resistant to medication. There's all these factors here. And really the only things that you can do is be comfortable with communicating. So we have to get comfortable and normalize the communication aspect of sex more so than we are the intercourse aspect of sex, you know, and even talking around, um, uh, I did an episode on disclosure. It's called integrated disclosure episode 99. And, um, being that I'm newly single, I'm going to have to start having these conversations at some point. And I think that that's probably the model that I'll go off of, you know, just having a conversation around not just sexual health, but talking about intentions with relationship. And when I say relationship, I mean in how we relate to one another. So um, friendship is a relationship. Being strangers in proximity is a level of a relationship. And having intimacy with one another in an ongoing way or a casual way is also a relationship. So just deciding is just going to be short term. It's going to be long term are we a fit sexually or in life even do we get turned on by the same things or is it something that turned me on trigger you how do I help you feel safe in this relationship do you have any pleasure points that you really like or do you have any pain points that you may want to avoid or any sort of like a um anything that I could easily trigger or make you feel uncomfortable about like things that I need to know so I'm going to like begin actually having to practice what I preach and uh, while that's nerve-wracking as hell it's also exciting because now I'll be able to pull from my own experiences here and talk about like what I'm feeling and how this is because people think I even um, at some point thought, okay, well, in casual sex, let's say you go out, you meet someone at the bar, you bring them home. Like, I can't tell you, I can tell you how many times if I sit and think about it, but I can't tell you right now how many times I've just gone out to a bar or something, brought someone back home and tried to have sex with them without even having the conversation. So we're at an age and a point now where, yeah, unfortunately, the responsibility falls on us a lot heavier than it should because we're the ones who have a positive diagnosis but at the same time you know it's a it's a mutual conversation it should be encouraged that we have this conversation um whether we're positive or not yeah and i think that that's what is so important for us to realize is like you said is that everybody should be having this conversation regardless of if you have it or not somebody between in the relationship has to be the one to bring it up and to talk about it 
You know, we're so quick to, you know, send a cute little sext and be like, oh, want to see my panties or, you know, corny things like that. But like, we don't want to say, can I see uh, your recent STD screening, uh, screening test, you know? So I don't understand like where we've lost the, the site. And, and I, I am more than guilty of doing the same things before, you know, now, of course, I know, like, I want to see somebody's paperwork before I'm intimate with them. However, plenty of times in my past, I never thought about asking somebody, I'm like, oh, well, I don't have anything, like, they're fine, like, they would tell me, right, because, because I would always tell somebody, that's the type of person I am, but no, you know, not everybody is that person, so unless you ask, you can't get mad at somebody if you don't ask, like, we see this a lot as well in support groups where they're like, my gifter gave me this and, you know, I hate him and this and that. And it's like, where I hate her or whatever. And it's like, but did you ask? Like, and I'm not saying that either is right or wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But did you ask? How can you blame the other person when you're responsible for your health? The other person is not responsible for telling you that. I mean, they should 100%. I 100% think that they should disclose to you, but they don't have to. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's what makes them comfortable, or maybe they don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe they don't even know. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm happy we're having this conversation because I'm thinking of a few people that I know can benefit from this conversation specifically. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to be sure to cover you mentioning your stories, and I shouldn't know this, <laughs> but uh, that you give back by volunteering at the rape and suicide prevention hotline yeah i had a friend a few years ago who uh committed suicide and from there i decided to volunteer at a rape and suicide prevention hotline so i did that for about two years this was because of the friend situation not anything that happened to you no nope just because of the friend situation yeah all right And even with that, have you found that to be sort of healing for you to be able to support something of someone so close to you? Oh, 100%. I mean, it was something that I felt called to do. You know, I was like, I've always wanted to help other people and I've always been a good listener and I've always been able to look at things from like a bird eye perspective for people and even for myself. And I wanted to really be able to, you know, bring that um, into other people's lives. Um, So it was very um, eye-opening because I know a lot of people inside of these herpes communities as well struggle with depression and struggle with suicidal thoughts. And, you know, I think that it's super important for us to realize that this isn't the end of the road for you. This is a virus that over 90% of the population has. And at the end of the day, we're lucky that we know that we have it. That way we can inform other people and we can start to really take control of our emotions and our lives and take responsibility for ourselves and stop putting, you know, shame and blame on ourselves and just realize that this happened for you, not to you. Wow. And I used to say all the time, I, don't say it much anymore but it still applies that life is about what happens through you not what happens to you Mm -hmm. so it's important that we take what we have and be able to give that out to the world with the brightest of intention 100 percent. stephanie is there anything else you want to leave us with before i let you get up out of here uh just get tested and specifically ask to be tested for herpes because if you don't specifically ask many doctors won't test you for it so if you've ever you know maybe been with somebody with a cold sore or something of that nature just go get tested it can't hurt and that's about it thanks for having me all right how can people contact you so you can find me on facebook at stephanie lynn boyd or on instagram at stephanie l boyd underscore this was good this was fun um i appreciate your participation in this interview and just your energy your presence being on this podcast and uh thank you thank you so much yeah my pleasure thank you for doing what you do i appreciate it yeah all right